Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we answer a couple of voicemails and then David and I play Santa Claus. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. For those of you listening to us racing around like chickens with your heads cut off, doing all of your last minute Christmas shopping, what were you thinking? It's the same day every year. Why are you fighting these insane crowds? Like, just should have gotten it done already. But we appreciate you listening. And we hope to entertain you in the process. Maybe make this a little less stressful. David, we have a lot to cover in this episode. Again, we're probably going to go a little bit longer than normal because we're not giving you your full five episodes this week. But we have a couple of voicemails that we want to tackle. And then David and I are going to play a, a fun little game where we get to uh, we get to decide who's naughty, who's nice. And we get to hand out gifts and coal to uh, to the Buccaneers. So, David, are you ready to dive into all this madness? I am. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to the voicemail line and uh, and answer caller number one. Hey guys, Joe from Ocala. Um, kind of a lot to say, so I'm going to just break it down real quick in little notes that I wrote down. The refs are horrible. It's getting to the point where it's comical now. I mean, it's it, there. You, something needs to be done in the off season. You're talking a helmet to helmet to Perryman, a a um, pass interference that what's plain as day. Pass interference. I mean, it doesn't get any more plain as day as that. The fumble. <laughs> doesn't, excuse me, doesn't get any more plain as day as that. The face, ma- the the face mask on Bray, plain as day, right in front of the ref, and they don't call this. There was not one bad call on the Texans side, and we had four that were obvious. I mean, it doesn't get any more obvious than that. It's almost like they do it on purpose. I mean, it's. I don't really don't know any other explanation. I really don't. Something needs to be done. You guys talked about union. I mentioned this before. I work for UPS, and uh, 21 years I've been here, and we do have part-time employees that are unionized. I don't know. If, I'm sure it's not the same union as the refs, of course, but part-timers can be union. I do know of other places that are union that are part-time also. Um, Jameis, first and fourth pick were definitely – Bad reads. I think the second and third, if you had Chris and Mike, I don't think they're picks. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. He has got to something. He's got to, he's got to clean them up. I mean, it's, you know, he's got to clean them up. I mean, I just, I guess my question to you guys this week is, is he going to clean them up? I mean, and it's just nobody knows the answer because he needs more time. OJ soft. He's scared to get hit. I'm convinced of it. Uh, everybody. Everybody but the defense did not have a good game. Special teams, not a good game. Uh, and O-line. I thought O-line played good, too. Go Bucks. Look forward to Sunday. Hopefully they can do something. All right, Joe, thank you very much for the uh, for the phone call. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of this, David, we, we covered on 
on yesterday's episode, you know, the, the Jameis issues, the uh, officially abysmal officials. Is there anything in, in that call that you uh, particularly want to want to go after? Uh, I mean, I guess just, you know, get just get into the question there at the end from Joe. Just, you know, is James going to clean him up? And that's I mean, that's the question. You know, that's the question of the day of the day of the week of the year of the offseason of 2020, if we're all correct in assuming that Jameis will be back. And, you know, it's it's interesting, actually, because, James, you and I were talking about Bruce Arians press conference before we started recording. And, and Bruce kind of talked a little bit about, you know, Jameis Winston. I mean, obviously, he was asked about it. And at one point he was asked a question, you know, about how much of Jameis's interceptions are Jameis being Jameis and how many of them are things that can be corrected. And and he said that it was it was about 50-50. But then he also said that the corrections have been made. The results just aren't happening. And so, you know, and again, we were talking offline. It's like you don't want to read too much into a whole lot of things. But if if the corrections have all been made, if if the lessons have been taught and and all that stuff then why is this stuff still happening? You know, and I, I, we don't want to get too deep into it on this episode, but after the London game, like Bruce was asked, you know, how many more times can you see this performance from Jameis and still kind of, you know, be supportive of him as a franchise quarterback? And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, you know, not too many. And that's kind of like the week following is when Scott came on the show and kind of talked about, you know, if Jameis has, you know, one or two or, or however many games like this, then, you know, it's it's time to look for another quarterback. Well, he hasn't had two or three, but now he's had one. And I understand that he had the good, the good games or whatever, but he still had the opening drive turnovers that, that, you know, everybody jokingly turned into a good luck charm because we're all trying to make it, you know, you don't want it to hurt as bad. <laughs> so if, if, if from a teaching standpoint, if the correction's been made and the lesson's been, been, been taught and it's been received, but the action is still being repeated, there comes a point where the problem is either the trainer or the trainee, and this trainee has had multiple trainers. So how many times you know, are we going to continue to move forward? And I think this kind of goes with what True was saying yesterday. How many times are we going to continue moving forward with different trainers saying, well, it's not the trainee, it's, it's the trainer. Eventually, it's going to be the trainee. I still think that we're going to see James in 2020, but if this stuff continues, like if Jameis has, like we talked earlier in the season, before the season, James, like what does Jameis have to do to, to earn another contract or to earn at least another year? And we all kind of agreed like seven and nine ish with some good stats, some decent stats and, and not too many, you know, terrible, terrible games. And obviously they're going to finish at least seven and nine. He's got a pretty good stat line. When you look at yards and touchdowns, he's had some pretty rough games, which we wanted him to kind of avoid. But I think he's done enough to to earn his way next year. Coming into next year, and obviously we have a lot of time to talk about that, but I feel like you have to have a different Jameis next year to justify continuing on with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. I'm I'm gonna be real short with my answer. No. It's not getting fixed. It's never gonna get fixed. David and I have been saying it for for two years uh, on this podcast, and before that, we were saying it on our old podcast. Uh, and it, it's it used to be kind of a I don't want to say rallying cry because that's not the right term, but for lack of a better term, I'm going to go ahead and say it used to be kind of a rallying cry. Uh, with Jameis, you got to take the good with the bad. Unfortunately, he's got a whole hell of a lot of bad that we got to deal with, and 
at this point in his career, a lot of that bad is inexcusable. And it's it's weighing on the fans. You know, everybody has been, you know, not everybody, but the majority of Bucks fans have been real excited about Jameis for a long time. And then we bring in the uh, the quote-unquote quarterback whisperer to come in and fix Jameis and get him to the next level and get him over the hump. And, you know, he's throwing more interceptions than he's ever thrown before. It's It's bad. And that's just who Jameis is. So... Whatever the Bucks decide to do, you know, I'm still under the impression that they are going to bring him back for 2020 and probably beyond. We're going to have more of it to deal with. That's just how it is. So, no, I, I have zero, zero faith or confidence that he is going to get that part of his game cleaned up ever. That's oh. just that's just how Jameis is. So. And, and at this point, you can't blame anybody for for thinking that way or for agreeing. And even you know, it, it's got to get cleaned up at least to the point where this team can be successful again. Kind of going back to yesterday, you can't win in spite of your quarterback. That's not what the quarterback is there for. And you go back to that Super Bowl team. You know that Super Bowl team only had one one player who who caught even more than seven hundred receiving yards, and that was Keyshawn, who had barely over a thousand yards receiving in that season. And I guarantee you, if you asked Mike Evans, hey, Mike, if we told you you were going to have less than 1,100 yards receiving, fewer than six touchdowns, but you'd win a championship, would you take it? I guarantee you he would take it. If you ask Chris Godwin, hey, Chris, if you were to have less than 700 yards receiving, fewer than seven touchdowns, but you'd win a Super Bowl, would you take it? And I guarantee you he would take it. So when we talk about the drop-off in production with Jameis to, to, to facilitate the drop-off in turnovers – if this defense is truly and that, and that's kind of what's really changed in this equation is when we were talking about this before we had a defense that was still giving up a lot of points a lot of yards and was really not what they've become and i got that the 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 opponents have not been all that strong but we've kind of already addressed that the Houston Texans are a playoff team uh whether you like it or not they've got some of the best receivers in the National Football League they have, they have in my opinion the best receiver in the National Football League and they just shut him down for an entire game that changes things a little bit in my mind because when you have a defense that's capable of beating teams and capable of doing the things that this defense has shown they can do, and if they can keep it intact, which is something that Bruce talked about today again uh, as being very important is keeping this defensive unit intact, if they can do that, and then you have Mike and you've got Chris Godwin, those are extremely valuable things. You can't waste that in the National Football League. Those things happen. Those things sync up so rarely that you have to take advantage of that opportunity. And if Jameis can't show that he can be a quarterback – that's going to allow those things to lead this team to victory, then you do well. At the, at the end of it, you're going to have to find a different solution because right now, and that's what we saw last week or this last weekend, Jameis thwarted this defense's effort. Like that defense won this game. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense should have a W or have, should have another notch in the, w, in the win column. You know what I mean? They should be eight and seven going into the last week based off the effort of the defense. And if you go into that locker room, that defense, like if if we, if we were to find out tomorrow that the defensive captains lost their lost their cool on the offensive captains and just completely let loose on them from an emotional standpoint, I wouldn't be mad at them because they deserve it. And at the end of the day, it, it all rests on the arm of Jameis Winston. So the fact that this defense is is coming up is is changing the dynamic a little bit uh, from the way at least that I see this. Um, I never expected to see Jameis Winston revert to what he reverted to against the Texans. Uh, even without Chris, even without Mike, I never expected that to happen. And perhaps that's my fault. 
but the fact that it has happened, uh, it raises some questions. For interception, Jameis is never out of the question. Um, all right, David, let's go ahead and jump over to the next voicemail. James, David, how you doing? This is Brent down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, just want to throw out a little fun, which uh, uh, me and my buddies at work, we were just talking about this. We listen to y'all guys every day. And we were just talking about if you match up the 2019 Buck offense with the 2002 Buck defense, and you can only use three players off the current team for those rosters, like defensively, I said I would go with Levante Davis, Devin White, and Vita Veda. Easily, my buddy was like, well, what about Shaq Barry? He plays in a four, in a three, four, but then they ran a four, three. Offensively, I would take Mike Allside and the right side of the offensive line. You know, just something fun to talk about and kick around. Me and my buddies were talking about that, you know, what would it look like with this high-scoring offense with that shutout defense, how the Buccaneers team was fair. Uh, guys, kick it around. Have a good time, as always. Love listening to the show. Y'all have a great day. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for the call. And, David, we've been sitting on this voicemail here for a little bit. Um, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do this. Now, let me make sure I understand this correctly. We are taking three players – from the 2002 Super Bowl champion Buccaneers offense and putting them on the 2019 Buccaneers offense. Then we're taking three players from the 2019 defense and putting them on the Super Bowl defense to make like the mega super team. That's what we're doing right now. Like the the most unbeatable defense in the history of defenses. Um, that's what they were talking about. I kind of kind of the way I want to do this is. I want to take three players from the Super Bowl roster and put them on this roster and see what that looks like. Three players on offense, three players on defense. Yeah. Okay. Now, see, that's what I thought you wanted to do. And then I was listening to the voicemail and I'm like, maybe I misunderstood David. Okay. So we are going to take three players from each side of the ball of the Super Bowl team and put them on this year's Buccaneers team to make them the super team that would defeat any and all comers, win the division, go to the Super Bowl, all that. So here we go. David, would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. I'm going to go first. Uh, are we doing offense or defense? I'll, I'll let you choose that as well. We're going to go defense. And the first player I'm taking from the... Super Bowl defense to put on the current team is Rondé Barber. Give me Rondé freaking Barber to solidify the corners. Not that Davis and Jamel Dean haven't been doing a great job, but you know what? They're doing a great job right now on the outside. Rondé Barber is the greatest slot corner Ever. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if you send me a tweet saying, oh, well, Deion Sanders played uh, 32% of his career snaps in the slot. Don't care. Rondé Barber is the greatest slot corner ever. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's a damn shame that he is not getting the recognition. Uh, shout out to, oh, uh, I just forgot his name. The dude from Good Morning Football. Not Schrager, not Burleson, Kyle Brandt. Kyle Brandt went on a run about how disrespected Rondé Barber is in the eyes of all-time greats. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's my number one pick. Give me Rondé Barber from the defense to put on this year's team. I like it. So you're bumping who? Because I think that's the fun part of this conversation. Sean Murphy bunting. You add. Okay. I'm bumping bunting. You're bumping bunting. It's so disrespectful. I'm bunting okay. bunting. So you went defense. So I should be going offense, right? I thought we were doing defense. defense? It, it, you know what? Your call. You do. We're, we got to take three from each side. You take, take your your number one pick regardless of side of the ball. Okay. Um, I think the defense is going to be it's just it's just going to be incredibly easy. Hmm. I say that and now I'm pausing. <laughs> you're you know what? we're on pick number two and you're on a full tilt. No, it's because something just dawned on me and I want to make sure it happens. I'm taking Dexter Jackson. Ooh. Um, I know he's not Warren Sapp. He's not Simeon Rice. He's not Derek Brooks. He's not John Lynch. But you know what he is? He is a free safety that can start every single game for a Super Bowl championship defense. You know how I know that? Because he started every single game for a defensive championship or a defensive-led championship team. Um, Dexter Jackson, you know, back in 2002, 2003, three interception, one fumble recovered, not a whole lot of regular season, you know, stat, you know, wowing you off. You know, he's not going to make good morning football every morning, every week. Got it. But when the chips were down on the biggest stage, he was able to be a part of the team. Cause if you, if you go back to all like the inside footage, right. Um, I can't remember if it was his first interception or, or what, but you remember the scene, right. Where John Lynch is back there and he remembers that he, that the Raiders love running that sluggo and he's over there and he's like, Dexter, Dexter sluggo. And what happened? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they ran. Dexter was all over it. Why? Because he looked at his teammate, his teammate said, Hey dude, be on the lookout for this. And in the Super Bowl. Dexter Jackson wasn't like, hey, I'm a Super Bowl free safety in the National Football League. I don't need you, Johnny, to tell me how to do my job. You do your job. No, he said, you know what? I'm listening to what you said. I trust you. You're my brother. And it turned him into a Super Bowl MVP. Give me Dexter Jackson because his mentality fits this roster, and this roster needs a starting free safety. All right. Are we just going to round out the defense, or, or is everything still up for grabs? No, go ahead. Stay, stay with defense. I'm working on something on the offense. Stay with defense. Okay. I feel like this is cheating. I really do. But give me Warren Sapp. Give me Warren Sapp lined up next to Vita Vea. Sorry, Sue. I like you, but Warren Sapp, you are not. Can you imagine? You got Vita Vea and Warren Sapp collapsing the inside of the all the opposing offensive line. You got JPP and Shaq Barrett coming at you from the edges. You got Levante and Devin White still covering the middle of the field. Now you got Rondé and Dexter Jackson on the back end helping out Jamel Dean and and Carlton Davis. Like, are you kidding me with that? Because I'm not gonna lie, I thought real hard about going Simeon Rice. Because you know Todd Bowles will come up with some sort of crazy weird package where he's got Simeon Rice, JPP, Carl Nassib, and Shaq Barrett all out there together. But give me the consistency, the ferocity, and the Hall of Fame level of play of Warren Sapp in his prime lined up to next to a guy like Vita Vea. I know it's easy. I know it's obvious. But... That's the right answer. And nothing but love to to John Lynch, who is, you know, my second favorite Buccaneer of all time. Nothing but love to my favorite Buccaneer of all time in Derek Brooks. But they don't need those 
those positions on this defense. They have Levante and Devin at middle or inside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. They're fine on the back end, you know, as far as the, the strong safety is concerned. But Indomic and Sue doesn't give the effort that Warren Sapp does play after play after play after play, and he's not the player that Sapp was. So sorry if it's kind of a cop out, but I just feel like that's the the obvious and correct answer. Nope, I like it. And before Dexter Jackson slapped me across the forehead, uh, Warren Sapp is who I was thinking about going with. So yeah, zero arguments here. So I guess go first for the offense, right? Yes, you do. Yeah, and look, if you I'm take mine, pull, I'm gonna be real upset. I'm just gonna pull the band-aid off and we're going Brad Johnson. Damn it. Um, give me Brad Johnson for the Buccaneers <laughs> offense in, in this system. Listen, I understand that offensive today, offenses today are different than offenses were back then. But here's what Brad Johnson was back then. Brad Johnson back then was a 1.3 inter- interception or per, 1.3% interception to completion ratio, which equals out to Jameis Winston's uh, uh, attempts this year so far, which equals to 11 touchdowns or interceptions. All right. Brad Johnson was also a 4.9 touchdown, uh, 4.9% touchdown to completion ratio, which equals out to 30 touchdowns. James Winston's got 31 touchdowns. So when we talk about losing the turnovers without losing the production, that's where that's where a guy like Brad Johnson comes in because in in those in in his touchdown interception percentages and all that stuff compared to James Winston's, you're looking at 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions versus 31 touchdowns and uh, 26 now, I think is what we're up to 28, uh, interceptions and Brad Johnson averaged in that Super Bowl season, uh, 6.8 yards per attempt. Jameis Winston is averaging 8.2, which is a little bit less than one full yard or it's a little bit more rather than one full yard per attempt. Brad Johnson, if he had the amount of pass attempts in that season and, and the averages stayed the same, would have thrown for 4,000 and 93 yards at this point in the season. Jameis Winston is throwing for 4,908. But again, you're talking 17 fewer interceptions out of your quarterback. That's what gives you an offense that can allow a Super Bowl caliber defense to win you a championship. I'm not saying this defense is Super Bowl caliber yet, okay? But that's that's the quarterback play that we need. And you know something, James? I, I took this to another level, and somebody's going to hate me for it. I don't care right now at this point. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. We we made this comparison earlier in the season, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna revisit it now that we're at the end of the season. Matthew Stafford played eight games this year for the Detroit Lions. I understand he's he's missed the rest of the season with an injury, a back injury at that. Super scary stuff. It's one of the things that helped you know kill Tony Romo's career. But on his way out through the eight games that he played, six point five percent touchdown ratio. Or 6.5% touchdown to completion percentage, right? Jameis Winston's throwing a 5.1. Jameis Winston's throwing a 4.7% interception ratio. Matt Stafford's 1.7%. And the offensive schemes that they run are very, very similar. So, because the, 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 even though you and I both agree, and I think pretty much everybody else agrees that Jameis is coming back next year, if he doesn't come back next year, depending on what Matt Patricia is going to do in Detroit, because I honestly felt like Matt Patricia was on his way out. But the fact that he's staying tells me the Detroit Lions may be interested in a reset. And when you reset a team that has a 32-year-old quarterback 
you usually replace the quarterback. So keep a lookout because if the Detroit Lions start getting interested in poking around some of these young quarterbacks available in the draft, Matthew Stafford might become available. And if the and if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decide not to stick with Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford at 32 years old could be a pretty successful or pretty pretty capable bridge quarterback as they draft another guy either this year or next year and get him ready to take over. Just throwing it out there. You know, uh, fortunately for me, you can't throw rocks at me, but take it away. Well, now I'm tilting. All right, David, what's one of the one of the biggest concerns as far as positions that we have discussed ad nauseum? Number three wide receiver. Do it. Joe Juravich. Yeah, buddy. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Give me Joe because my pick was Brad Johnson, obviously. Yeah. So the whole time you're explaining why this is the right pick, and I agree wholeheartedly because uh, it was going to be my pick too. Uh, I'm saying Joe Jervicious or Michael Pittman. Joe Jervicious mm-hmm. or Michael Pittman. But I love Joe Jervicious, the original 83. Yes, sir. Putting him as the number three receiver with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Brad Johnson would throw for 6,000 yards. Are you kidding me with that? <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. I mean, I'm not going to expound on that anymore. You know, and I was I was in there looking at it, and I'm like, because one of the other thoughts that I had was maybe, maybe right tackle, maybe left tackle. But, I mean, honestly, that line wasn't, like, crazy good. It wasn't, like, Dallas Cowboys good. It was serviceable, but yeah. it wasn't elite. So, right. yeah, give me... Give me you go, Joe, all day long. Yes, sir. No, I I love it. Um, and I think it would make uh, it would make Jill Beckman also very happy. Jill Beckman, shout out to uh, the Buccaneers social media coordinator because she's oh, a Penn State Penn alum. State? Chris Godwin is oh, there. Yeah. Joe Vicious is there. I mean, it, it would just be a Penn State party every week uh, on the offense there. And then, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there with with Kenyatta Walker. Uh, love Demar yeah, Dotson as I, a. I thought about him. Yeah, I love him as a person on the team. Love him as a human being. Uh, you know, no shade towards towards Lamar. He's just he he's he's not what he used to be, and what he used to be wasn't necessarily the best in the NFL either. Kenyatta Walker, uh, again, not not going to make anybody's you know NFL 100 list or anything like that anytime soon, but a a solid right tackle. And as much as I, I like Michael Pittman as well, I feel like that with a right tackle like Kenyatta Walker, that uh, Rojo and Peyton Barber would be able to do more than they're doing right now, and doing more than they're doing right now would be. Uh, a step above and would at least turn this into an average, if not slightly above average running game most week, uh, most weekends for the Buccaneers. So that's, that's who I'm going to round it out with is Kenyatta. All right. So when all is said and done, you have the 2019 Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Now utilizing Kenyatta Walker instead of DeMar Dotson at right tackle. You have Brad Johnson under center. And you have Joe Juravicious lining up as the slot receiver to complement Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. On the defensive side of the ball, you're getting rid of Indomitian and Sue. You're replacing him with Warren Sapp. You're getting rid of who did you get rid of for uh for Dex? Ooh, you know, I didn't really cut anybody. Yeah, we didn't uh, cut anybody except for me on the very first pick. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Andrew Adams. Like, like I love okay. what the dude does. I love his spirit and everything, but I think Mike Edwards has more upside long-term, so I'm going to go with Andrew. Okay, and uh, apologies to the guy who's really turned it on uh, you know, towards the end of this season, but get out of here, Brashad Perryman. 
Jojo Revesh just took your place. Uh, yeah. and, and well, and to be fair, I think you have to replace, you know what I mean? Like you can't like saying, well, give me Brad Johnson, but let's get yeah, rid you of, you can't get rid of Ryan Griffin. That doesn't count. Yeah. Let's, let's do an injury settlement with Blaine Gabbert and get him, you know what I mean? Send him, send him yeah. back and like, no, if, you gotta, yeah. If you're putting a new starter on the field, you gotta, you gotta cut the starter. That's, that's kind of how we went into this. So right. yeah, uh, you, you get rid of Andrew Adams for Dexter Jackson. And then we are, we are, uh, punting bunting to uh bring in ronde barber so many rhymes with that god that was fantastic um but it's also all for fun so please nobody take this too seriously yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's not like we went into this like oh man how can we find a way to kick six players off of this team no it was it was all for fun and and you know it's it's just kind of a fun lighthearted little episode david let's move over to the Christmas portion of our show. And how about you explain what we're going to do? Because you told me in a, in a short break that I explained it wrong at the beginning because <laughs> I'm a big dumb, dumb. No, you're not dumb. It's just, it's something that kind of came up. Uh, and we, you know, so a little bit behind the scenes of the locked on podcast network, we do these things called water coolers every week uh, with kind of like the lead of the NFL department and everything. And one of the things that came up in today's conversation at the water cooler session was an idea for a Christmas episode, which um, one of the other shows did. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head now, but uh, basically what they did is they reached out to their Twitter audience and said, Hey, identify three gifts that your team has given you this year and three lumps of coal that your team has given you this year. And they turned it into an episode. Well, obviously this episode is dropping on Christmas Eve. Um, It doesn't look like we're going to have a Christmas day episode. So we don't really have time to reach out to you guys on Twitter as much as we would have loved to. So we're going to pick the three gifts that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's G I F T S not G I F S uh, that the Buccaneers have given us this year. And the three lumps of coal that the Buccaneers have given us this year is how that's going to happen. All right. Well, David, since I started the last one, how about you go ahead and, uh, and kick off this one. Okay. And you know, what? just keep things consistent because this is going to be, I guess this is going to be my James hating episode. This is going to be when somebody calls me a James hater. Um, one of the lumps of coal has been James Winston's turnovers. And uh, listen, every lump of coal also has something that can be used for. Like you can take a pile of coal and turn it into a nice warm fire to keep you warm at night. So there are good sides to every lump of coal. However, it's still a lump of coal. And James Winston's turnovers, while a lot of them are part of the mentality that also lets him make all the amazing plays and get the touchdowns in the yards and all that stuff, this part of it is still a lump of coal. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's an easy one. It's low-hanging fruit. But at the same time, if we don't mention it, then we're burying the lead, and that's not what we're going to do here at the Locked on Bucks podcast. So first lump of coal that the Buccaneers have given us in 2019 is James Winston's turnovers. All right. Are we going to stick with the coal? I, I say we you, stick brother. however you want to do it. I say we stick with the coal. Let's get the bad out of the way bad and then get to the first. goodies. There you go. All right. Second lump of coal has got to be the penalties. We have seen numerous huge runs by Ronald Jones called back for holding penalties. DeMar Dotson has had a rough, rough year as far as penalties are concerned. Uh, Carlton Davis started off the season being an absolute penalty monster. And these these have hurt the Buccaneers in a lot of these games that they've lost. You compound the penalty issues with the the first lump of coal in in Jameis turnovers and you have one giant lump of coley reindeer crap um that have really derailed the Bucks quite a bit this season. And these are two things that should be able to get cleaned up. 
It's about the discipline. It's about the understanding and it's about the execution. So, you know, again, not all hope is lost with, with these two lumps. Again, we've seen them turn it around. We've seen Jameis go through and, and kind of get his head straight. We've seen them play, you know, pretty solid games without shooting themselves in the foot with, with penalties, but it's been a reoccurring theme now for the last five, six, seven, eight years, turning the ball over constantly, you know, negating huge plays with penalties, giving up big plays because of penalties. So yeah, it, it's, it hasn't improved too much from last year, but you gotta you gotta hope that it's gonna improve soon. So yeah, there's my there's my lump of coal, and and David, I'll I'll kick it back to you. All right, so I get to do two negatives. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> the Buccaneers gave us this year was a lack of a home crowd, and before everybody starts saying I'm bashing the fans, I'm not bashing the fans. Um, essentially, what happened, right? Is is during and that's kind of James one. So doing a year round podcast is a grind. Uh, my, I'm preaching that. you obviously, but for those who don't understand, doing a year round podcast is a grind. Um, but what it does is it kind of allows us to experience the ebbs and flows of the fan base along with you guys, like almost like we're in your living room having a conversation. We're in your your diner down the street having a conversation with you, and it's great. It's great insight. And I saw we saw this fan base this year get to a point where like, you know what, we've gotten excited before. We're not doing it this year until this team, until this coaching staff put something on the field that we can be proud of. We're not getting excited. We're not getting hyped up. We're happy football's back, but that's the limit of it. We're not going any higher than that. And then there's a fan event, right? Where coaches talk about, we watch every single snap and this is the most talented team we've covered coach and da, da, da. And fans are like, all right, I'm getting a little bit excited, but that's it. That's the limit. I'm not going above. (laughs) And then training camp comes around. And there's all kinds of great plays, and, and we got Rendax on the Peter Cast talking about the best that, but, you know, Vernon Hargraves is is looking the best that he's ever looked in his career, which I agree with, by the way. Um, Mark Cook is out here talking about how he's been covering the team for so long; he's never seen a coaching staff engage with the players the way that this one is, and it's going to make a difference. And you know, I, Evan went to training camp. I went to training camp. Like everybody who's at training camp is saying, "Guys, believe it." Uh, Matt Gay is excited. Like I literally videoed a kick of Matt Gay, sent it on Twitter, and it got so many interactions. It was amazing. It was like it's amazing. This fan base we're interacting about a kicker indoors at a training facility at a practice facility during training camp. It's amazing. I love it. And then the fan base said, "Okay, we're getting excited, but we're not getting hyped, guys. Like this is the limit. We're we're not getting past that." And then the preseason comes and we see some good things and we see a Spencer Schnell. We, we see, you know, we hear about Scotty Miller coming out. We see the practices against the Dolphins where they did some good things. We see Jameis Winston hitting Mike Evans on deep routes. We, we see Rojo, you know, coming out and looking a lot better. And, and I'll be damned if by the time this regular season started, James, this fan base was hyped. This fan base was ready to get their Buccaneers back and get playoff football back. The coach is talking about come out. We're going to win games early. The quarterback, we're going to win games. This is a winning team. This is a winning strategy. And they go two and two, and then they go two and six. Before they go, they end up going seven and seven. By the time they were two and six, this fan base had taken themselves from a point of we're not allowing ourselves to get excited to a little bit excited, too excited, too hyped up. Had the Buccaneers delivered in the first six weeks of this, not even necessarily like four and two, but even a three and three in the first six without losing the way that they did. I think we would have seen a much stronger home crowd down the stretch than what we saw. 
and then what we saw against Houston. I expected a much better home crowd against Houston. But the one we didn't see it, I kind of thought, okay, well, why didn't we see it? Well, the team's out of playoff contention, for one. And two, how much of this is fool's gold, right? Everybody's talking about it. We, we, we all go back to the 2017 season. How much of this is real? How much of this is pretend? And this fan base has been beaten and drugged and wrung out so many times that I don't blame Buccaneers fans for not wanting to go into the stadium and spend their, their Saturday afternoon to go in there and ask for more. I don't. So that's the final lump of coal for me is this franchise's team had an opportunity to really win back the fan base and they didn't do it. And the two and six start is why they didn't do it. Well, and, and let's not forget week one, they got to play at home, lose to the Niners week three, get to play at home, blow it to the giants. But then you're coming off that win against the Rams where they put up 55 points and you're two and two. And the fan base is like, all right, here we go. And then they were gone for six weeks. Six weeks. So by the time they get to play another home game, this team is is so far down that, yeah, like you're you're right. People aren't racing out to spend their hard-earned money on their team that's finally coming to play a home game, and they just lost four of the last five. Like they're they they have no interest in that. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you know what? You you have to have some sort of optimism heading into next year, even if they finish at seven and nine, which I I believe that the Bucks are going to finish eight and eight. You said it at the beginning of the season, the Bucks will finish eight and eight. To bounce back yeah. from a two and six record in the fashion that they did, and seeing the improvements that we saw. You have to have some level of optimism. Again, I'm not telling you to get hyped in December, the season before, but again, it goes back to you, you know what you know what this Bucks fan base is every year. Every year, David, it's the gif, not gift, the gif G I F of Michael Scott sitting in his office saying, Well, I'm ready to get hurt again. Yeah. That's what it is every year. Right. I don't think it will be this next year, man. Like, we're, I think we're in for a very long offseason. I don't know. Hopefully it gets better. But I feel like this this fan base is is done. I, I, I feel like this fan base is is, go, is one that until the Buccaneers actually get on the field and start winning regular season, meaningful football games, and I, and I say games, uh, multiple, I don't think this fan base is going to come back the way that they have over the last, you know, few seasons. Yeah. But we thought that last year, and that is true. Everyone bought in. <laughs> everyone we'll bought see. right back in. It's we're. It, it, that's why fan is short for fanatic. We that's don't true. have any choice. Here's what I can guarantee: I am going to be excited next year. Like when when we're sitting here in June, guy. That's why. Like when we have questions about like why should I keep watching? Because you know what? In in December, like December, you it's it's rough. Like it's hard. Your team has nothing to play for. Other than the draft position, it's hard. But come June, like you're gonna you're gonna wish you watch that that Falcons game. Maybe not. I don't know. I I will, and so I'm gonna get excited, and I will be the one, and James will be the one telling me not to do it. But I'll be the one lockdown Bucks podcast in August of next year telling you that this is a Super Bowl potential team, and you should get excited for the season because your Buccaneers are Super Bowl contenders. And then I'm also gonna say, but by the end of October they may not be. So enjoy it while it lasts. Everyone's undefeated in Week One. All right. Well, David, let's get over to some of the um, the happier things, and let's talk about the gifts 
and that's that's with the T, not the not the non-talking videos. Um, let's talk about some of the gifts that the Bucks gave us, and I think the first one's pretty obvious, and it's Shaq Barrett. This is a guy he came on our podcast and talked about how he knew a year and a half before he became a free agent that he he knew his time in Denver was up and all he wanted was an opportunity and he could not have been more excited that the Buccaneers were the ones giving him that opportunity. And what has he done? He has tied the franchise record for most sacks in a season with one week left to break it. His name right now is etched in the record books next to Warren Sapp's. This is a edge rusher, a pass rusher, entering the prime of his career, and the Buccaneers got him for pennies on the dollar. They're going to have to shell out some money for him now, but it's worth it. So I can't think of a better gift that the Buccaneers gave us than Mr. 58, Shaq Barrett. Yeah, yeah. So the next gift. It's Chris Godwin, and I know that Chris has been here, but this is the first year where someone with an offensive mind, someone with offensive decision-making abilities said, let's let Chris show us what he's got, and let's unleash him. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. Dirt Cutter didn't do it. Todd Munkin didn't do it. They all buried him behind Deshaun Jackson. They all said, well, he's he's like a starter, but... He's not a starter. He's your he's your third wide receiver. He's not even your slot receiver. You know what I mean? Um, and this this coaching staff came in and they and they saw Chris Godwin. They watched the film from from years previous. They watched the practice film from last year. And before he even stepped on the field for this coaching staff, they said, "We have something special in Chris Godwin. We're going to find any and every way to get him on the field." And he's been stretching the defense the way that this team wanted to with Deshaun Jackson. Not in the exact same form, but he's been stretching the defense. He's been going over the middle. He's been playing in the slot. Like he's done everything this team has asked him to do, and he's done it well on every single uh, every single opportunity he had before he left with the injury. Obviously, um, hopefully, he's doing better. I know he's still technically available, but I don't see him playing against Atlanta. Uh, so yeah, so so the the second gift that this team gave to all of us this year was getting out of Chris Godwin's way and allowing him to show this franchise and the fan base just what kind of potential he has. And he's making, he was going to the pro bowl because of it. All right. The, uh, the third gift that the Buccaneers gave us was Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is the first head coach that this team has had in 10 years that they can hang their hat on and be proud to say, that's the head coach of this football team. And even though he is in danger of having the first losing record of his coaching career, he had a lot to change within this team. And we've seen it happen. We've seen the way that they're getting upset when they lose close games. We've seen the way that they have finished out games that in years past they would have lost. They would have thrown in the towel. They would have collapsed. They would have folded, especially over the course of the last month and a half. You mean to tell me that when the Colts jumped out to a lead that Buccaneers teams in the past wouldn't have collapsed and 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 quit and lost? Or when the Jaguars started to come back 
or when the Lions started to come back that the Bucks wouldn't have panicked and ended up blowing it. That's something that Bruce Arians brought. Not only did he bring that, but he brought with him Todd Bowles, who has started to really turn this defense around. We're talking about multiple pass rushers that we can be proud of, that we consider absolute true threats to the opposing quarterback. We're talking about a group of first and second round corners that are shutting down opposing receivers. They finally hit their stride. It took a while. It took those growing pains. It took trusting one another. It took growing together in the world of NFL football, which is vastly different from what they just came from. But you mean to tell me that they just held DeAndre Hopkins to 23 yards receiving? Like I said on this podcast, there's nobody on the Buccaneers team. There's nobody in the NFL that can shut down DeAndre Hopkins. And Carlton Davis looked at me and said, hold my eggnog. Watch this. So Bruce Arians was a huge gift because with him came all the other gifts of the rest of the coaching staff that has started to turn this team around. So I'm also going to give out a bonus gift, David. I know this is unscripted, but it's not exactly, you know, we, we focused these gifts on the players, the coaching staff, the on-field product. But I want to give a, a, a shout out to somebody else that was on this podcast. Our first two gifts, of course, were guests on this podcast. The third one is is part of a group um, that I, I think deserves some special attention. And you mentioned her earlier in the show, and it's Jill Beckman and the rest of the Buccaneers social media team. For quite a while, the social media by the Buccaneers was very meh. You know, it was it was pretty lackluster. It, it 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 basically echoed the team. And now you have you have Jill Beckman in there. You have a great group of people working on these Instagram videos, working on these Twitter graphics, work, you know, sending out absolutely fire tweets all the time. The Buccaneers social media department has been an absolute gift this season. They have been fantastic. And if you're not following them on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't be, especially if you're listening to this podcast. But they do such an amazing job. And and I just wanted to publicly thank them for that. I thought this was the appropriate platform for such a thing. And and so I feel that they they're a bonus gift. They're that they're that gift that, you know, is is down at the very toe of the stocking and you didn't notice it at first, and you're like, oh, oh, this is awesome. Bonus gift. So, yeah, the the Bucks social media team, absolutely fantastic. So, David, with that, we are going to go ahead and call it an episode. From David and myself, to all of you who have made this an absolute banner year for the Locked On Bucks podcast, we hope that you have a wonderful, safe, and enjoyable holiday with your family and friends. Whether you're celebrating Christmas or if you were celebrating Hanukkah, if you're walking around saying happy or merry festivus for the rest of us, whatever it is, enjoy the time with your family. Enjoy the time with your friends. We appreciate the time that you spend with us. So from us at Locked On Bucks Podcast, have a wonderful, safe, and happy holiday. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Oh, yeah.